Amen. Let's take our seats in the heavenly places. I am so excited by what God is teaching us for the past three weeks. And also I'm so excited at the result and the news I'm hearing on the television as regards the pandemic. Because if you are very current with the news, the ratio is going down and down and down and down. And the number of people who have now recovering, whose body respond and recover, is exploding. They are in their millions. Those who have died are still in hundreds of thousands. But people who have recovered, they outnumber those that COVID killed by more than four times. It was not so in April. In April 2020, COVID was killing people so rapidly in an alarming manner. And the people who were recovering were very few. But when the church started to pray, what we saw in the first two weeks is that God directed us specifically to command that death be taken out from the hands of COVID after repenting on behalf of our nations and asking God for mercy because God had told us in this house before that plague is coming this year. And the reason is because of the evil of men. Today, what I begin to teach you will help you a lot. Not only in your spiritual life, but in preparing you for the coming of Jesus Christ of Nazareth so that you will not be deceived by the devil. It will also help you to succeed in anything you, you intend to do in life. God has given power to man to achieve any success he can imagine. And if you look at the scripture in the book of Genesis chapter, chapter 1 verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image and in our likeness and let them rule. And that scripture tells you, you know, that God is created in God's image, man is created in God's image, and also not just his image will look like him, we are like him. And that is the original man he created. And he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. If any thought tells you that that is not correct, that thought is Lucifer. Today I will begin to introduce you to imagination, the realm of soul, distinction between heart and mind and body. Because I want to take you into a deeper teaching next week, which is going to be on imagination. You get it right, you will agree with me, and you will experience this, that the success you cannot achieve as God's children is the success you cannot imagine. I will together now. There is no such a thing like your brain is computed to understand science and you cannot know arts. Or your brain is computed to understand art subject and you cannot understand science. You can, if you never did science before in your life, two years, you can do A-level science and crush it completely. Two years only. The same thing if you have never done art before, you can cross just going to it for one, two years, you are a genius in it. That is how God created man. But I will help you understand the things that limit human beings so that you can get rid of those things and your mind can become fully free and God can really operate through you. It is the same thing that is responsible for the reason why many Christians cannot see vision, they cannot hear God's audible voice, and they cannot see trance. It is the same thing that many Christians, their Christianity is just fiction and stories. They have no personal encounters with God. All these things you will discover when I show you 
They are things that Satan set up to bring man to the place of having to concede with his thought to rethink whether there is God. You know, sometimes people begin to say, there is there God? With all what is happening there, is, he, is there God? But the answer to it is that, is there evil? That's the answer to that question. Someone said, who is, a philo- who is an atheist? He said that, I don't believe in evil. <laughs> he just lied. So the answer to him is that there are some people on earth who eat human flesh. And they feed on human beings. And there are some people on earth who feel that that is wicked. Do you believe that the person who kills human beings and maims them for living and sell their parts and he does not care because he does not believe in evil or good and he goes hunting men down or those people who just decide to go and be raping children in few months old one year surplus those people who are doing that he was asked that what is your opinion about them if there is no evil then they are right to do it because that is their sincere opinion and the atheist found himself in a dilemma that he had just revealed himself as a liar so therefore the former for the argument is this so what they have done those who kill those who maim those who steal those who destroy their people have they done good certainly the answer is that they have not done good so if they have not done good what do you qualify their acts and so he had to concur that there is evil there is good he first of all said that he does not believe in morality but when he heard about people who eat human beings he had to agree that there is a place for morality so therefore the other question is that if there is good where is the source from and when if there is evil where is the source from if if evil and good does not have source then they, they could not function and how do you define morality in the in the in the in the society if there is no dividing line between the definition of good and evil and then we began to recognize that atheists began to recognize that yes there is evil and what prompts people to do evil i do not know they said and that is where jesus comes in and we can say to the atheist man that it is a good thing you have your brain to think but your thoughts is vulnerable to two powers under heaven the powers of god and the powers of the devil accept it or leave it it does not change the truth and the fact of it is that people do evil and they said i don't know what made me do it and that is an evidence that there is something somewhere that has to be discovered by man who is responsible for it and some people just do good and they just feel that well i just like to do it that like comes from a source and that tells you that there is god and so when i teach you next sunday i'll be teaching you i'll be taking you from the complications of man uh, imagination as some intellectual think it and i will show you what the bible has said before they were conceived and you will discover that all oh, what they talk, call about cognitive reasoning and all those stuff are just from the scripture before the area the boundary where they digress into satanism 
as to infest man. So what we have been looking at, therefore, is the introduction I've given you. We are looking at the key to the heart of God. How can a man unlock the heart of God so that you can know the plans of God for nations before they happen? Like I announced to you what will happen in, the, in England in different parts of the world, sometime to year and time and date, sometime the economic crisis, I told you the very date it will happen, the last one, and this one that is happening, I told you the very year it will happen, and then I prepared this church for it for about seven years, and now we are in the year, and I'm happy, and you are happy. Because in this crisis, many people are losing jobs, but in Christ with the people are getting promoted. And in this very season, that there's Christ all over the whole world, people are getting shut down. But in this house, people are getting promoted, both young and, and old. It makes my heart happy. So what does God demand from a man? So that you can sit down and inquire from God and hear from Him. What can a man do so that your Christianity will not be theory? But it will be practical life between you and God. What can a man do? That revelation of angels will not look like a fairy story. That you can see angels of God. You can talk with them. They are your messengers. God created them. Hebrews chapter, chapter 1 verse 14 tells you and 17. How can you, what can you do that you can fulfill the book of John 14, 12? Jesus said, if you have faith in me, you will do the things I've been doing, and greater work shall ye do. What can you do that you will not live in this world? Like somebody living in a, in a, in a vast uh, uh, island where there is nobody. And that is your response to the love of the Father. Three, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The next verse says, For God did not send His Son to the world, that He may condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through Him. But He says that those who reject Him stand condemned already. And so last week, we looked very much deeply for the past two weeks into the love of the three dimensions of love. The love from God to man. John 3.16. The love from man to God. And the love of man to man or creatures. And we studied that much in our, in our, in our home studies last Sunday. But today I want to talk about the functioning of love. That is the topic. The key to the Father's heart. Subtitle. Functioning of law. Now we look at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me read from verse 1 again to 3. And I've dealt with that. If I speak the tongues of men or angels, but have not love, I am now I'm only a resounding gong and clanging cymbal. Number 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and cannot fathom all mysteries, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And I have not, and if I have faith that can move mountains but had not love, it says what? I am nothing. And number three says, if I give all my possess, I possess or my possession to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, I die protesting on the streets. For the cause I believe, I got validated in prison because of a right cause I believe. Gave up my money to charity, but have not love, I gave nothing. 
I've explained that to you, that all those activities can be done, and the person who is doing it does not have love. So now today, what is love there for? What is love? This is what I want to deal with today. Let me say, introduce you to it. And let me say this to us. I, I will talk today purely, throughout, intellectually. But it will be so simple that a person who had not been to primary school will understand me. If you look at the next verse of that scripture, in verse 4, it says, Love is patience. Patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not, it is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I told you that some people will read these and call this definition of love. It is not definition of love. Let me give you the very, very false intellectual proof that this is not definition of love. He said love is patient. He didn't say it is patience. So if he said love is patience, it means that love could be called patience. That is love personified. But he said love is patient. To have said love is and qualified it by patient. Patient is an activity, not a name. Neither is a definition. Patient is a function that came from something. It appears to me what you can classify as a variable of something else. Therefore, if the Bible says love is patient, it's talking about function of love. In other words, when you have love in somebody, he will be patient. And love is kind. Wherever you find love, the person will be kind. That's the function. It does not envy. Wherever you find love, that person cannot envy somebody else. It does not boast, or it is not boast. It does not boast. Where you have love, the carrier of love does not engage in boasting. It doesn't boast. It went further to say, It is not proud. And it didn't say it is not pride. Further, as you read this scripture, you will discover that it's talking about functioning. Somebody who has love cannot be proud. Then he began to say, it, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not angered, easily angered. It keeps no wrong, no record of wrongs. So a person who has love forgives and forgets. Love does not delight in evil. The word does not talks about functioning of love. Where you have a love, that it does not delight. Evil. Then it says, 
But it rejoices. In truth. So love can rejoice. Always protects. Love does protect. Trust. Love does trust. Always hope. Hopes. Always persevere. Now when you get home today in your Bible school, Bible study tonight, you'll be looking at this and you write them out. All, I call these the do's and don'ts of love. All what love does and all what love does not. Are we in agreement? Yes. Just, I told you that because of COVID rules, you nod your head. Are we in agreement? You nod your head. Hmm? I'm not wearing this because the rule says that when we are preaching, we shouldn't wear it. And the rule says that when we are eating in a restaurant, we should not eat with... You get me now? You have to remove it from your mouth for your mouth to eat. So that's why I'm not wearing that I'm teaching you. It's good to know that. So you have an assignment before evening. Look at what the do's and do's of love. Now, if love is not all this thing, but this thing reveal what love is. Love is not any of those things. But whenever you see those attributes, then there is love there. Because it's only love that, that functions in those attributes. What is love, by the way? Now, let us look at the human definition of love, and then we look at spiritual definition of love. If you look into your dictionary, you will discover that your dictionary says love is intense feeling of deep, of deep affection. That is one of the definitions. Intense feeling of deep affection. Oh, a strong feeling of affection and sexual, in, sexual attraction. To some one, opposite sex, I qualify it. That is love, according to the Bible. But if you look at this definition of love, he's talking about love in application to man and woman. Okay? Then it says here, or great interest and pleasure in something. Some people love an attitude, some people love animals, some people love trees. To passion. Some people love the way they dress. A particular way they dress. There was a time I loved to put on suspenders. And all the young boys in church were forcing their parents to buy them suspenders because apostle puts on suspenders. Braces. And then, after some time, I couldn't put it on because I discovered I was growing older. What really happened to me was that I was having some sensation in my back when I put it on. And it's causing my, the muscles of my back to, to contract. And so that resulted in some pain. Not demons, but suspenders. So when I discovered that, I began to reduce my using it. But in those days, that was my, that was my you know, uh, my, what do you call it now? My signature. But then, another thing that you like, what you see about me is that when I, when I, whenever I put on my jacket, I love to put on a handkerchief here. And it has become my signature. That is passion. We have various passions. Things that we love to do. 
We have various passions. Creatures that we love. We have various passions on types of people we love. There are some type of people you cannot love. But others will love them. And there are some type of people you could love. And others will not love them. And when I talk about love, I'm not talking about hate as an opposite. I'm talking about love as a choice or like. You may call it. But if we look at all definitions of love by human, talks about affection. Okay? I will conclude from all definitions of love in dictionary that love is how you translate your affection. That's what I would say. But keep that in your mind as we continue to go further. You will discover that the same thing applies to God. God loved the world. John 3.16. What did he do? He translated into giving his son. Wherever there is love, there must be a functioning that comes out of that love. And those are the things enumerated by 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from 4 to 7. However, because man have all manners of thoughts about love, all manners of de- you know, definition about love, Jesus put it this way. And what Jesus said encapsulates every functioning of love. He said in the book of First John, sorry, the book of John 14:15, "If you love me, you will obey my command." And then in 14:21, "Whoever has my command and obeys them, he is the one who loves me." And in 14, John 14:23 to 24, Jesus replies, "If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching." So if we look at Jesus and the Word of God from Genesis to to, to the end. It always says, anyone who loves me, the way you transmit or translate your affection is just to obey me. And let me tell you, that is love, even in human times. You know, when a man loves a woman, he wants to do everything the woman loved or the woman wants. Same thing with the woman to the man. That's just obedience. It's just obedience. And anything that party doesn't want, you don't want to do it. Because you don't want to hurt that person's feeling. You don't want to hurt that person's feeling, isn't it? Yes? So what is feeling? Feeling comes from affection. Okay? You don't want to obstruct the person's feeling. So with God. If you say you love God, the way you can show to God that you love Him, or the way it can be established, not just show to man, in human terms... It is your reaction towards God. That determines where you love Him. Where God differs from man is this. Whereas man, you can see them. You can see, you can see them physically. You can see, you know, attitude and stuff like that. You can read their emotions and stuff like that. With God, you can't see Him. You can't read it. And that's why God made it so simple for us. That look, if you love me, just you can, you can see what I want in the Bible. You can see what I do not want in the Bible. Don't do what I don't want and do the things I want. That shows that you love me. And that is the underlining factor. Now, in looking at God and man, we'll now look at, very quickly, the question is, what part of your being 
is responsible for transmitting this affection or showing this affection. What part of a being is involved in your activity of love? You will agree with me. For me to love my wife, I first saw her. Yes? And then when I saw her, something happened in my somewhere, which is invisible. And that thing that happened to that part of me drew my attention more closer to her. And then something began to generate inside me, which attracted me towards that one I love. To the exclusion of all others. Then you will understand the fact that all these, you know, responses that come from me, they are factors of my, they began from factors of my physical senses, your five senses of man. Sight, touch, taste, yes, your hearing and what? Smelling. So, one or two or three of these physical senses triggered what I can control. And suddenly, a young man sat his parents down and told the parents that, I met somebody. I love both of you, but I met somebody that I love. I use the same word, love, love, isn't it? And then, as you continue to relate together, what you call courtship, you will discover that it seems as if you are getting bonded together. Some of the things that a person does will easily be cut off because of you. Some of the things that you used to do will be cut off because of her. And then after some time, after a long time in that field, you discover that your soul will begin to blend together. Your character begins to blend together. You will still have your distinct character that you cannot overcome. But you will have given up quite a lot of characters that is not complementary to the partner that you, have, you are with, isn't it? And it will come to a time whereby people ask you a question, they go to her, or they go to him. The answer you give them is what that person will give too, because you have been so blended in soul, to the place whereby your soul can communicate without your physical sight. Now, let me now help you understand how Jesus put it. You will discover that Jesus is always accurate. He is God. So, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 28. It says, on one occasion, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. I love those lawyers who always believe that they are so intelligent. I, I always love discussing with them. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> if you are vast in the scriptures, you can confuse the most intelligent lawyer. If you are vast in the Bible. <laughs> because the source of, of, law, of all laws is the word of the living God. And the one who inspired the writings of every moral law and every judgmental law is the Holy Spirit of God. So when you are very deep in the word of God, forget it. Let the lawyer speak that feels very intelligent. Let him argue all his case laws. If you go deep into the Spirit of God, a word of God will disbalance what he's saying. Or will enhance his knowledge on what he's, what he's saying. That lawyer came to Jesus Christ. He said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Come on, look at this. 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? I told you last week, underline that. How do you read what you read? Determines how you fail it or pass it. This is the key thing that many students omitted and they went to the exam hall. They read a question and they spent three hours answering questions and everything they wrote is not what the questionnaire is asking. There are people who have lived on earth, who have come to church, who have claimed to be Christians and they died and they went to hell because of how they read the word of God. What God said, how do you read it? Some people have their own opinion before they come to read. And because of that, they could not, um, um, they could not stop their opinion from the truth or from the letters of the law or letters of the reading. How do you read it? This is a lawyer. Jesus is asking a lawyer, how does he read the word? You know, the law. You know, the lawyer will arrogantly speak now. <laughs> you want to test my ability in law? Okay, let's see it. How do you read it? Jesus would probably not have asked from an illiterate that question. But he asked from that man because the man purported to be, you know, a learned fellow. Listen to this learned fellow, verse 27, he says, He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. With all your what? Soul. And with all your what? Strength. And with all your mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love that lawyer. Hey, Luke 10, 25. I want to show you something here. Luke 10, 25. Let us read the origin of this lawyer's quotation or citation. Moses wrote in the book of Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Let me read from verse 4. This is the citation of this lawyer. That's what he's quoting. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Then he says, Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and with all your soul and with all. Okay? I love this. I want us to follow this very, very meticulously. Now look at Matthew 5.43. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor as your, as, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. Jesus is talking about love. Go back to the Luke. If you see this man, very interestingly, this man did not only stop as strength, as original scripture said, but he mentioned mind. Because he is a learned fellow. So therefore, what did Jesus say? Verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will leave. Therefore, what part of us is involved in all this love stuff? Heart, soul, mind, strength. Heart, soul, mind, strength. These are all the, the 
the factors that are involved in the underlining of cognitive reasoning. When they say cognitive reasoning, they are just talking about that. When I was telling you that all your five senses play part in your emotion and in the transmission of your emotion, all right, and in your determination of love towards man, this is what he's just talking about. Your heart is involved, your soul is involved, your mind is involved, your strength is involved. Okay? I want to be very careful not to go into next week's lecture when I talk about imagination. Write this down. You are a spirit. You live in the body and you have a mind. Now let me run you through five minutes. What is soul, by the way? Soul is defined by some as the, the immortal and immaterial part of a human being. This is English dictionary. Or animal regarded as immortal. Your personal moral and emotional nature or sense of identity. That is what they talk about your soul. But if you look at this, this definition, you will discover that it defines soul, but it also spoke about the function of soul in this definition. I'm giving this to you all for evening. Mind. What is mind? Your faculty or consciousness and thoughts triggered by the five senses of man. So your five senses, all right, are connected with your mind. This is responsible for the mental process contrasted with your physical action. So what your mind process is what is translated into your actions. There is no action in a man without the process of the mind. But the five senses also trigger the process of the mind. Furthermore, it can be viewed as a part of your responsible, of, of a part of you, which is responsible for your awareness of this world, that is all things around you, and your responses towards them, i.e., your feeling, your thought, your actions, reactions. Now, what is your heart? When I looked at all English dictionary, <clears throat> I found out that they have no definition for heart. They only quoted heart as the heart that pumps the blood. <laughs> Except one of them, who a little bit digressed into <laughs> trying to talk about imagination <laughs> in definition of the heart. Let's see what Jesus said about the heart of man. He's not talking about the heart that pumps the blood. Mark 7, 21 to 23. I read King James, uh, New King James Version. For from within our hearts, the heart of men, proceeded evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murder, murders, thefts, covetousnesses, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, 
an evil eyes or an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. This is what Jesus said. We need that next week further. But you see that this tells you and I that every thought have its origin from the heart of man. Yes, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we can define heart as the source of, his, of the thought of man. The heart of a man is the source of his thoughts. That is what my conclusion is. The storehouse from where his reasoning emanates, according to Apostle Alfred Theophilus Babatunde Williams on the side. And I derived this from the scriptures. And then I looked also, after looking at the scriptures, I looked at judges' convictions of criminal, a number of criminal cases. When you look at the issue of men's and actors' rails, when the two converge, there is conviction if there is no proof against it. And when the two converge, where do they converge? The heart of man. That is where all thoughts come from. That is where the mind cannot function without the heart. Really, the mind sees, the eye sees, the, the hand and all stuff, senses, smell and stuff. They connect it to your heart, and the heart will send a pulse to the mind to engage the mind in processing, and then the mind will begin to process thoughts. So the source and the storehouse of thoughts is the heart of man. That's the reason why anything that cannot get your heart cannot control you. Things can pass through your mind and they will not control you. Okay? You think of many things in life and you don't do it. Alright? But anything that has deposits in your heart or that emanates from your heart, they are the things that pushes you. They are the things that control you. They will... Be, you, you, you will be called, they will put you into what they call automatic state. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> your remote control is your heart. Hallelujah. Your mind is the place whereby when your heart sends the impulse, your mind is the one that will table it and now look for what is the best way to do this. That is to your own conviction. So therefore, you will see heart and mind in connection with one another. Then you will see strength of a man. It is the physical display of your thoughts. So that what you are doing, you do with your strength. And anything that comes from your heart, which passes through your mind and translates into action require your physical strength to succeed. Either you apply it to a human being or you apply it to God. This is one of the areas that humans fail. 
Because when it comes to physical man, you can see them. I can hold my wife. I can say to my wife, I love you. I can do signs with my eyes. Like mommy used to say that you roll your eyes, isn't it? To the women of Rua Destiny. That's where you roll your eyes. And then she can tell me that, Apostle, what that girl, she's rolling her eyes to that boy. I don't know about eyes rolling, but she does. That is the area of her specialty. Amen. Why she looks at the eyes that are rolling, I look at the spirit that is communicating. So both of us balance. <laughs> Amen. But you see, all these things come from heart of man, then processed by the mind of man, and then strength of man. So therefore, your heart controls your mouth. Matthew 12:34. I have just about six minutes to finish. Matthew 12, 34. Brood of vipers, Jesus said, how can you bring evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. We are looking at the heart now. Number three on the heart. Every imagination or thoughts come from the heart. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great. And I read in King James Version, real King James Version now. In the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continuously. In another one, the scripture says the heart of man is desperately wicked. So wickedness does not come from your mind. It comes from your heart. If it came from your mind, you would not act it. So men's prayer is a function of the heart. And that's the reason why it's not easy to prove. When somebody kills someone, everybody says, ah, he, must give him, he, must, he has committed murder. But when he gets to court, it's not so. Because we see the action, which is called the actus reus. But the men's prayer is something that is hidden and has to be established. Did he intend to kill? What is the motivation to kill <clears throat> and does that motivation come from his imagination? So that he plotted and then he executed it. He desired, he plotted, he executed. And who can easily prove that? That's the reason why many people who, are, who, who go into court for murder, they end up in manslaughter. So where you cannot prove that hidden part, then the judge has no option but to just charge them for manslaughter. Even when the judge knows that they have committed murder. Are we together? Do you know why that is? It is because the heart of a man, it can only be understood by the God who created the heart. Not this pumping heart. I'm talking about the heart I define to you. The storehouse of all imagination. And thoughts. And this is the part of you that God is looking for. And Satan also is looking for. Therefore, imagination and thoughts have their root in the heart of man. Genesis 6, 5. That proves that also. Write these three down. Three things down. Your mind determines what you think and responsible for what you do. Your soul determines who you are and who you love. And your heart controls your thoughts. That is your imagination. What is the solution to the heart of man? And that's why I'm stopping this lecture.
You know, this is a lecture that I should take you one hour or two on the heart of man, the soul of man, another hour, the, the, the um, you know, um, mind of man, and the strength of man. But what I've given you is for you to go and walk over and check all your actions so that you can always understand if this, if I do this, where is it, which, where is responsible in my life? If you translate to physical action, heart, mind, and strength. Where is your soul? When you get into activity of heart controlling your mind and your mind acting in a particular way, after you have been climatized to such way of, of operation again and again, it deposits in your soul and that becomes not eradicatable easily. That's when they say somebody has soul tie. I've, I've counseled a lot of a number of women that their husband beat them both in Asia, Africa, and in Europe. And I've, I've also been involved with a man that the wife beat him terribly. And say, okay, separate for a while. All right. I'm going. The next, the next day they phone you. Please help me. Ah, but you say you are separating. Separate for a while so that you can seek counsel. I can't. I can't. You cannot. Even at the threat of death, I don't know how. There's a soul tie. When something enters into your soul, it takes only divine intervention to divide it by prophetic word and prayer. People who, when anything gets into your soul, let me see what happens to you. You are blind to every other thing. You will feel, you will feel incapacitated. And you become a slave to your soul. That's the reason why the soul of man is what we stand in judgment before God. You better sell your soul to Jesus. Remedy. Because we know that your heart is so strong. It's the center of everything. Nothing can enter your soul if it has not captured your heart. Nothing can go into your mind if it is not deposited in your heart. So what did the Bible say? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 to 27. Above all this, guard your heart for it is what? wellspring of life guard your heart guard your heart in other words how check every information that is coming to you and make sure it is god it may look good but is it god satan is always setting up good things but behind it is an evil agenda many people don't understand when we talk prophetically they'll be arguing by what they see after they have become victim Years, they will now regret that if I had known, I would have listened to apostles. Or I would have listened to the prophetic of God. Let me tell you the difference between you who is born again and those who are not born again. Second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 applied to you. What did he say? He said, but you have the mind of Christ. Anyone not born again does not have the mind of Christ. Why did he not say you have the heart of Christ? The mind of Christ is such, understand, that is the place that processes the thought that comes from your heart. Jesus, the Bible said, we are given the mind of Christ so that what comes out from our heart and it processes in our mind, if we operate with the mind of Christ, we can decipher good from bad, God from devil. Even if the devil pull on white clothes and put on a collar, a bishop robe with a, with a, a big cross, 
and big robe. It is by the mind of Christ you know a lying prophet. Because they will look so much like the true prophet. It is the mind of Christ you know the right cause to fight in life. So that you don't burn your energy and then behind you discover that <clears throat> when your eyes open, the one that is pushing you is the devil. And devil cannot push you to a good thing. He will push you to anarchy. He will push you to, 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 to disorder. He will taint your image. A little temptation from Satan ruined the life of a promising boy. Why? Satan set him up to sleep with a girl who is a messenger of Satan, and the girl nailed him and said that he raped me. And the case of rape, you are guilty until proved not guilty. It's different from other cases. Other cases is that you must be, it must be proved without reason, beyond reasonable doubt. But rape is that you are guilty until you prove it that you are not. Many of you don't know that. Say that, look at you, are going to church and he sees you have a brilliant future, you are following God. Lock you up with a useless girl. So you think that, you know, uh, you know I, I, everybody did it. Who told you that? Who told you that? The devil. Once he gets your heart, you see, same thing he does to man to ruin their, their personality. He does it to women to ruin their future. Your heart, your heart, you cannot allow to mess about with it. Pride resides in the heart. Sexual morality resides in the heart. Arrogance resides in the heart. I will say this a lot because, you know, I had a determination to raise 1,000 young, young men. And you know, when you raise 1,000 men, you must raise about 2,000 women because women is always twice the men. Because I look at many of them that, you know, you know, normally what the devil does is this. He makes you feel that, oh, old school. No, these things didn't happen when they were young. Lie! There is nothing happening now that did not happen in our time. Everything the same. Satan does not change. Technology does not change the attitude of man. It just changes the approach. Human attitude is the same. You leave this place, go to the village. You will discover that they are also technological. By technology, they just take uh, two stones and strike it together and fire will come. When you take the stone and strike it, you cannot get fire. They have their own technology. Hello, listen to me. Do not let the devil mess up with your heart. Let me say this. Don't be suspicious of others. Satan will get you if you do that. If anybody comes to you and tells you all about the part about somebody else, if you are quick to judge them, you will fail and fall into a bitter judgment of God. Even if you are born again and your fire is burning on your head. Because the Bible says to you, investigate the truth. If someone told you anything about somebody, I told you, tell them. I will tell that person you said X, Y, Z. Really, now you have email. And they have email. Write their, their statement in email as a representation and send it to them that, according to my meeting with you on such and such a date and this time, you said one, two, three, four, five. Could you affirm what you have said that is a true representation of you? Let them reply you. Report to the person they spoke to that this is the evil this person said. And tell that person that you will stand before the person you accuse and say it. If you don't do that, your heart, Satan will have access to your heart and he will hinder your blessing. He will hinder your blessing. Because if Satan walks by the spirit law 
and the Lord of sin and death. And everybody is bound by it. It says, put away perversity, verse 24, from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level path for your feet and take only ways that are firm. I'm reading the book of Proverbs 4, now 26. Make level path for your own feet and take only the ways that are firm. Do not swear to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. We stop there today. When I come back to you next Sunday, we are going to recognize imagination. I think on the imagination, I may teach you for a while because I will try as much as possible to make sure that my lecture on imagination is so concise. But in your own group, we will now go into details of those areas because I know that next week, next, next, next week is August and next month is Holy Ghost Convention. Let's bow our heads and pray. Sovereign Lord, we thank you. We bless your name for grace. And your word is everything. The word that you have sent today, let it heal our soul. The word you have sent today, let it heal our hearts. And let it deliver our mind. Lord, for everyone who comes to the house of God, they come because they are looking for you. My God and King, those who look for you, find you. Everybody who have accepted you as, your, as their Lord and Savior, they love you. Because you say that in the book of John 16. Love for God is that you believe in His Holy Son. However, we want to go to deeper love of relationship, which will qualify us for the fulfillment of what you said in verse 25. Of John 6, uh, John 16, so that you can come and make your home with us, so that we can be an example of your true person among our neighborhood, in our city, oh Lord, in our nation, and change this world for Jesus, so that we can love our enemies as you have said, and pray for those who despitefully use us. That strength, let it rest upon us in Jesus' name. If there is anyone under my voice who have not known you, Lord, let your word today that I have spoken convict that person and bring them to salvation. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are prayed.